Hey, welcome back to Let's Talk About It with Jackie and Megan. Where we like to talk about things that are messy, awkward, hard, or controversial and create a space for healing. Hey guys, very much requested that we talk about confession. This has been coming for a long time. Yeah, anytime we did like a poll, like what yeah. like thing do you want us to argue about? It's like confession, which is funny because I don't actually have like a super spicy opinion on. So I feel like that's going to disappoint people. I also feel like it goes like our theologies surrounding confession are rooted also in our um, differences between our theology and beliefs with justification, which I think we'll both bring up. Um, So we do have we should link that, Megan, in the description, because we do have an episode where we talked about justification, which our views were more similar than we thought, but there is like a core difference that also ties into why Catholics believe that you need um, confession. So it all kind of just like stems from that belief, at least like when I'm looking at it, I'm like, oh, it kind of comes down to that core of things. Which I feel like we've found with like a lot of things. It's like, it looks like there's like all these different differences. And then when you Mm -hmm. get down to like the actual root of it, it's like, really just comes back to that different view of yeah justification which makes sense because that's sort of the core yeah and yeah it's kind of cool that we've come to more of an agreement on justification throughout history that's one of the areas that we've seen more reconciliation and more um of a coming to agreement it's not totally to agreement but it's like oh we actually believe very similar things about this um, it's not as different because Catholics are not works-based. We don't think like you can just, and then the stereotype that Protestants think like, oh, you can do whatever you want and be saved or like, it's not the same, you know, it's not. So that's kind of cool. And I will say it's like, once again, like we, we shouldn't pit the worst of one to the best of the other. So it's yeah. like, are there Catholics out there who are misinformed and do sort of have like a works-based have a misunderstanding. Like, faith? Yeah. Of course. Are there Protestants yeah. out there who are like abusing grace and they're like, whatever, I can do whatever I want because Jesus saved me. Absolutely. Let's not pit the worst. <laughs> like, let's like exactly. think the best of each other's tradition. Um, So that's what we always strive to do in these conversations. It's like, let's not caricature and take like well i knew this catholic who was workspaced like yeah protestants suck out there too <laughs> yeah i know i know it's it's funny when you compare like well this one person believes this and you're like okay but that's not the tradition it's like or so? necessarily <laughs> the majority or yeah that's not really you can't base one tradition off this like person you know or that you talk to and i think that yeah. more points to a conversation that should be had around like teaching and instruction in churches mm-hmm. like you know how are we communicating yeah. these doctrines are we communicating them in a way that are easily confused like that's like sort of a different issue so yeah yeah whenever it comes up in these conversations I'm like okay <laughs> <laughs> so we're not actually having a conversation <laughs> yeah I agree well um, uh, how about we start with yeah like, let's say someone who is not Catholic, who is not familiar with the yeah. sacrament of reconciliation, confession. Could you quickly go over maybe like, what is the format? What's the theology yeah. behind it? Like, yeah. what does it look like? Because obviously, like someone like me, I've never physically gone to confession. <laughs> so I wouldn't you, know unless I talk to you. Yeah, you can't go unless you are Catholic or you're going to be, re- you're in the process of being received into the church. So, yeah, like. Protestants have really no opportunity. Like they can see how they can go watch communion. They can watch different 
um, sacraments and like understand what happens, but because confession is so private, yeah, they would have no way to know. So I thought it'd be a good thing to start with that. Um, I want to say that a very important part of confession before you even start is, um, doing an examination of conscience and, uh, yeah, you should prepare in the light of the word of God. So I'm going to bring in scripture because a lot of times Protestants think that we don't care about scripture, but it's a great thing to go through the 10 commandments. Um, and the catechism actually lists out like different sins that you might not think that connect to those commandments that are sins, um, which I have found really helpful. Mm-hmm. So they talk about like, you think like murder, Obviously there's like literally there's killing somebody, but they go into different sins that like you could spiritually attack someone and try to like kill them or like they kind of connect like gossip and slander and things like that to like different commandments that you wouldn't think about. Um, and they kind of like, which sort of out. ties to like the gospels when Jesus yeah, is talking yeah. about like, you say, do not murder. I say, if you hated yeah. someone, you've murdered mm-hmm. them in your heart. So yeah, exactly. that's a great resource. Yeah, exactly. So, and then of course, just going back to scripture, um, and looking at what Jesus says is a great way to examine your conscience because there's a lot of things that we don't think about. Um, and also it's Jesus himself saying it. So that's a good thing to listen to. <laughs> yes. Um, also going through the Beatitudes, a lot of times there's like a written out examination of conscience based on all of these things that you can like look up on the internet. Or a lot of times when I've gone to confession, they have little pamphlets or like something on the wall that you can look through as you're waiting in line for confession that will show you exactly how to go to confession because maybe you're someone that fell away from the Catholic church and hasn't been to confession in years. It's really cool. You can just show up and be in line and be like, Oh, this is like what I do. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's really nice, but that's, it's really important to go through an examination of conscience. I myself have not always been the best about that because I'll like have a sin where I'm like, I need to confess the specific sin. (laughs) And then I go in. So, I mean, it's not like those sins won't be forgiven. If you don't go through this whole process, like whatever you bring to the Lord, he's going and have perfect like contrition. He will forgive you. Not even perfect, but just have like contrition and sorrow. Um, but that's a big part of before, when you start confession, um, you go in, um, the priest will give you some kind of blessing. He'll start in prayer in the name of the father, son, Holy spirit. And then it's, you say, um, bless me father for I have sinned. My last confession was, and you normally will say when your last confession was, um, if you don't say that sometimes the priest will ask you, but these are things that's just kind of the tradition of how it goes. It's not like, I guess, required, but yeah. And then you start in your sins <laughs> and it's required, which we're going to get more into later that if you have any mortal sins, um, mortal, mortal versus, versus venial, the Catholic church distinguishes between two different kinds of sins that you must say your mortal sins. Um, and then you can say your venial sins. And if there's anything that you genuinely forget when you're in confession, like you genuinely forget it. You might, I've amount of times I've gone to confession. I get out. I'm like, I totally forgot to say that. Like, uh, and that's why the examination of conscience is so good because it will bring it up in your brain so that you're less likely to forget. But we believe that God forgives all those sins anyway. Like if you genuinely forget, like they are forgiven. Everything is like washed clean in the, in the sacrament of confession. Now, if you purposefully hold back a mortal sin, it's not forgiven. And that's because you're not actually like, sorry for it. If you're purposefully like holding it back in confession. Um, and that's, this is, that's an entirely different discussion that we could do in a different podcast about how do you know it's more, that's a whole thing. We're not getting into that. Um, and we're not going to like, yeah, I'll kind of explain like where in scripture that comes from that we believe in that further on, but we're not going to like get into the details of that. Um, you say your sins, the priest, it depends on the priest. Um, sometimes then they'll talk with you through each sin, like, 
talk to you about like I'll go in and he'll be like what's the root of this or like yeah sometimes it's longer sometimes the priest will just skip right to giving you a penance um and the penance also can be a different thing a lot of prayers that will say like go say this certain amount of prayers sometimes my favorite penances are when the priest says I want you to go and sit and pray for that person that you're having anger against or Mm -hmm. I want you to go and reflect on this scripture passage the last time I went I had a priest reach around and give me a little scripture passage written on a piece of paper (laughs) he reached around the screen um and hands me I was like okay Um, I will say that even your penance, your sins are forgiven because it's not like you're working for your forgiveness. All you have to do is walk in, have sincere sorrow for your sins, and the priest can give you that absolution. But penance, as Megan and both of us believe, it shows in scripture, they it's a core part of like actually having that inner conversion of your heart um, and that disposition to not want to sin again. Um to really receive that grace that you're getting in the sacrament of confession. So it's just, I mean, it's just a good thing to do. Like we're called to do penance. Um, We're called to have like have that sorrow for our sins and to actually take action after we leave the confessional to not sin again. Um, It's not just like it should be this revolving door. Like God's mercy is there, but we shouldn't take advantage of God's mercy. So we should have a sincere um, disposition of the heart to, to not do that again. And and if we do, because we're sinners and we on, on, we do because we're weak, you know, we go back. Um, and then the priest will give you that. He'll ask you to say an act of contrition, which um, there are set acts of contrition, but you also can come up with your own act of contrition. But basically you're saying like, I am sorry for my sins. I've um, offended God who I should like most should love and not offend. I resolve to avoid the near occasion of sin and to not sin again with God's grace. So it's kind of saying like, I am sorry for my sins and I'm resolving to not. And then the priest, he gives you the absolution in the name of Christ or the power of Christ and you leave. Um, so that's I think that's helpful that because, you know, yeah. one, once again, like it's not like I've ever personally experienced yeah. a Catholic confession. And I think for a lot of us, because of that, it's it mm-hmm. lends to a lot of caricatures or yeah. your only like understanding is through the media. So you like, oh, I could see like confession yeah. in like a movie. Like a lot of times it's kind of like a plot point. Like some yeah, exactly. random person, they may or may not be Catholic. The main yeah. character has to get something off their chest. And so they'll mm-hmm. just like go to a confessional and some like kindly old man priest will be there and they'll just be like, oh, wow, I'm really struggling. And the priest will give some wisdom and it'll like further the plot of the movie. And so you kind of almost yeah. think of confession as this like weird, like, oh, you're just kind of like going and like bearing your soul to someone. Um, And so I think it's helpful to actually hear from someone who experiences confession on a regular basis, like what exactly goes into it so that we can have a right understanding. Um, And I know from like a Protestant perspective, a critique that Catholics probably often hear is like, why don't you just go directly to God? Or like, why go to a priest? So could you address that? Yeah. So I'm just going to present, I'm not like, this is not Megan. I'm trying to argue like, well, this is wrong. This is wrong. So I'm just going to present like why Catholics believe this um, in scripture. And I'm I'm looking down because I'm going to be reading um, from the Bible and the catechism because, you know, I am not like, this is not just what I, you know, believe or have, have don't have it all memorized. Sorry. <laughs> maybe I should, but you know, um, <laughs> so I'm going to read um, from the catechism. It's cat- um, paragraph one, four, four, four. And Um, We believe that Jesus imparted the power to forgive uh, through his disciples. So when we say like, why can't you just go straight to God? Actually, that's the first thing that you should do when you've sinned. 
um, either venially or mortally, because because through, which Catholics and Protestants agree through the sacrament of baptism, we have that access to God through the Holy Spirit, and we can talk to God. Like it's kind of both. So you should go to God like immediately, especially if you're like a good Christian. You're going to you know you're going to feel sorrow for what you've done. You're like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, God. Like before I've even gone to the confessional, I've I've gone, I've said to God like. I am so sorry, like for my sins. Of course, now this is where Protestants and Catholics disagree. If it is a mortal sin, you need to take that extra step of going to confession. Um, and the reason we believe that is because we believe that it is only God who can forgive sins, but we believe in the Bible, he gave the power to, for, to forgive sins um, within the priesthood, like to the apostles, which we think extends out to, um, has carried on with apostolic succession. That power is carried out to priests that are ordained. So we think that... Um, it's not the priest and any priest will tell you if any priest thinks it's them, that's a problem. Um, they are working through the power of God and it's only through God that they have this imparted power. Um, and just some of the passages that we point to. Um, so I've got this paragraph and imparting to his apostles, his own power to forgive sins. The Lord also gave them the authority to reconcile sinners with the church. This ecclesial dimension of their task is expressed most notably in Christ's solemn words to Simon Peter I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. This office of binding and loosing, which was given to Peter was also assigned in the college of the apostles united to its head. So we see that um, that also points out that a big part of confession is not just um, it's repairing your relationship with God, but also repairing your relationship with the body of the church, because we know that our sin, which both of us agree, does not only harm ourselves and God, but it harms sin extends out and harms the body of the church and those around you. And yeah, why must we first go to God? We also look at um, James. Is it James? Uh, you know, John chapter 20 is the passage I was thinking of. We also go to James. That's actually for a different thing. But he says, again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Um, and that was when uh, Jesus came after he had just resurrected and he came and met the apostles in the upper room. And we see... We really want to focus on that. want to emphasize it's through the power of God. So he breathed on them. It's only through him imparting that authority. That's the word we like to use. They have the authority because God gave it to them and through them works the power of God. It's not their own power. Um, so those are just a couple of uh, the passages. Um, we also see that Jesus says the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins and exercises its divine, divine power. Your sins are forgiven. Further, by virtue of his divine authority, we say he gives this power to man to exercise in his name. And that's from the catechism. Um, we also look at James 5, which I know that any Protestant listening is going to have a different interpretation of this, but I'm just kind of tie in. Um, this is in James 5, where Jesus says, is anyone, oh, actually, this is James, who says, is anyone among you sick? He should summon the presbyters of the church and they should pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayers of faith will save the sick person and the Lord will raise him up. If he has committed any sins, he will be forgiven. Uh, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The fervent prayer of a righteous person uh, is very powerful. So I know that Protestants will have this differently, which Megan will bring up, that there are ways of confession within the Protestant church that would go back to this scripture. Um, 
but we like within the context of the whole Bible, we um, will tie it back to what Jesus said earlier when he gave that power to the apostles. Um, so we see a direct link. He's creating a direct link between for confessing your sins and then them also being forgiven. Um, so it's within the context of all those passages, this passage sits that we um, see Jesus setting up that the apostles will be able to forgive sins. And that's who you would go to, to be healed. Cause ultimately the con confession is also a sacrament of healing. So that was uh Megan, I don't know if you have anything you want to comment on before I get further into uh, things about confession. I feel like there's just so much I could say, because I think there's a lot of misconceptions about confession and also a lot of things that Catholics don't even know about it. Yeah, I think um, it is, it's interesting. Well, and it makes sense that like a lot of Catholic practice and doctrines sort of go back to just the ecclesial structure of the church itself like it makes yes. sense within the context of the catholic church mm -hmm. yeah um, and i think that's why there's a lot of like talking past each other when it comes to catholics and protestants mm -hmm. because we're both coming at it with our experience like what i'm used to yeah. and so because yeah. i come from a different ecclesial structure it doesn't yes. make sense you know i could exactly. be like but you aren't going directly to god you are going to a priest that doesn't make any sense and you're like no no no, no. i i am going to god what you know and so i think it's important just once again to have these conversations with each other and to listen to the other person and be like oh right this it goes back to like with a lot of these things like apostolic succession and just the way yeah, the exactly. church is structured, you know, and, mm -hmm. and so it's good to have that rundown, I think, because it can, yeah, remove a lot of the caricature of like, oh, so you think you have to go to a priest. And I remember I heard a lot of um, Protestants joking like during COVID when a lot of times you couldn't go to confession. It was like, yeah. oh, haha, -ha, now you finally are going to God. And it's like, OK, <laughs> like, let's let's try to understand each other. <laughs> And I, I want to say that the church also thinks that you can be forgiven outside of confession. This is what we think is what Jesus set up, like the norm, and that when we have access to it, we should do this. Like, this is what we're called to. But the church, like, God can work outside of the sacraments. When we had no access, if you did something and you had genuine, like the church teaches, if you had perfect contrition for your sin and genuine contrition for your sins, you are forgiven. Like, if you don't have access, there's people in the world that don't have access to confession. They don't have access to the sacraments, unfortunately. God can work through that because he's God. Um, but this is set up that, you know, most of us do. This is like as the ideal, like what we think like is the structure, like God um, is set up what we should, you know, we want to have. But God can work through that if for some circumstance you can't. So it's not that like nobody's sins were being forgiven when yeah. COVID, like you couldn't go to confession. But it was awesome that that was the first thing that priests brought back to us when they could. Like there was outdoor confessionals because we see the importance and the power of the sacraments. Like that is as it should be, we believe as Catholics, but God can work outside of that. Or like say, because yeah, I think of like countries, countries where yeah, like Christians yeah. are persecuted, you know, exactly. it's like yeah. <laughs> what then sort of thing. So yeah, I think that's important to, to bring up. Yeah. And you can always, yeah. I mean, and also we would say like, you can like. I want to emphasize that it's always like going to God, um, even when you go to confession. But I know Protestants will say that's an extra step you have to take, so and so on. But then, yeah, it comes back to what we, how we interpret scripture and that Jesus intended it for sins to be forgiven through the apostles, which extended to the priesthood. Mm -hmm. 
Yes. Uh, I also just wanted to point out that the sacrament of reconciliation is also some different names for it is the sacrament of conversion, the sacrament of penance, of confession, of forgiveness, of reconciliation. So tied into confession is all of these things tied into it. It should be conversion, a point of conversion that you are converting back to God. You are further being sanctified. You are further converting, um, Sacrament of penance, obviously we're called to do penance, sacrament of you're also confessing, but it's not just confessing, uh, you're also sacrament of forgiveness being forgiven and reconciliation, you're being reconciled with God and with the church. Um, so I just want to say there's a lot of different aspects of confession, there's a lot to it. Um, Another thing Protestants will ask, which I think it comes down to some of our differences with justification, um, is why do I need to go to confession when I've already been baptized? And because that's like that set me free from sin. That was, you know, righted my relationship with God, um, which Catholics, we do believe that. But we also, because of what we believe about mortal sins, that some sins can be deadly, which we find in James that James makes a distinction between deadly. Some sins are deadly. Some are not deadly. We would categorize those deadly sins as mortal sins, which I'm not going to get into. How do you know a sin is mortal? What is mortal? Maybe we could do an episode on that, something more into that. Um, we would see that that kind of like cuts us off from the grace of God and we need to go to confession um, to be put in right relationship with God. So, I mean, as Catholics, we don't think that justification is just that one. That's the initial justification is in your baptism. And technically, if you go on from your baptism to never commit any mortal sins, you never really need um, to go to confession. I mean, confession is a sacrament, a grace in the church, and it gives you grace. So it's highly encouraged that even if you're just committing venial sins, that you go to confession because it is all of those things. It's a sacrament of conversion. Um, of reconciliation and forgiveness, all of these different things. Um, it's a beautiful sacrament, but we would say that that's where the difference is, is that we do think there are sins that are deadly that we see pointed to in James that can cut you off from the grace of God. Um, so that's when you would need to go to confession. It's kind of like, not like a second baptism. It's not like a second, it's not the same thing, but it's like extends from that sacrament of that grace that you receive in baptism. That's another difference that we have. And I think that that goes to like back to that we believe there are mortal sins yeah it all just kind of ties all the way through the thread of like what we believe about priesthood and the the setting of the church and justification so that's kind of where that all it all kind of flows from each other yeah so i don't know megan if you have any thoughts just to clarify because i'm looking at our notes is it james or is it first john it's john you're right okay. i was thinking of james when i was thinking of when he said uh to call the presbyters and to be healed yes so in first John, he makes that distinction between uh, deadly and non-deadly sins. That's what I get for trying to do this without looking at my notes so that I'm not looking down as much. <laughs> well, that's why I was like, oh, I, I feel like people might be. You uh, up yeah. Comments. Also, <laughs> I very often get James because they're just both J names. I very often, Yo. even though John is a gospel, so clearly very different, but you know, <laughs> but I don't know. If oh, there. Um, first John five. Yes. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, he shall ask, and God will give him life to those who commit sins that do not lead to death. There is sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is sin that does not lead to death. That's what you're thinking. Yes. And I should emphasize that also John says that all sin is harmful, not just mortal sin, which is why you do think you need to like seek 
you should go to God for forgiveness for any sins. Venial sins are also harmful, which a lot of Catholics will say like, oh, it's just a venial sin. It's like, no, but that's, Mm. we see venial sin as harming your relationship with God and harming, even if it's not like cutting you off for your relationship with God and with the church, but it's still harmful, which we would agree on. All sin is harmful. Um, So it's not like making that kind of hard distinction. One's harmful, one's not. It's just, no, one is more harmful, but all sin we should try to avoid. And um, all venial sins uh, we believe can be forgiven in just going to mass, receiving the Eucharist through prayer, uh, almsgiving, fasting. There's different ways in which we can be give penance for those sins, be forgiven of those sins. So for clarification with the the mortal and venial, because um, I'm just considering once again, like going back to this different view of justification and um, an ongoing justification versus a one-time mm-hmm. event. Um, so if someone is in a state of mortal sin where they are unrepentant, like let's say they... Mm-hmm they did go out and murder someone and they're like, no, that was right. Um, would you say in that instance that they are, um, I'm trying to think how to word this. Basically like they need a conversion again, almost in a sense when they do repent. And that is why they have to go to confession because it is like, no, I completely almost like walked away and now I'm returning. I'm trying to think of how to word it for like a yeah, process like, to understand. You- yeah, they need to repair their relationship with Christ. They need to be once again entered into the family of Christ because that cuts them off from Christ, from okay. the grace that they were maybe if they, if they were baptized, they received. They are cutting themselves off with that sin and need to be rightly repaired. Um, and yeah, we do see the sacrament as like another, it's like another ongoing, it's another conversion, going back and being restored into that right relationship with God and with the church. Um, so... Yeah, I think St. Ambrose had a quote that I don't know exactly, but he said there's like two forms of conversion. Um, One is by water and your baptism and the other is by tears of sorrow for your sins. Like it's Mm -hmm. you're being always being converted, which I think we would both agree on that you would see like we're being sanctified continually um, because we both agree that you don't just stop sinning. (laughs) Um, Even if in the Protestant church, when you believe that you're justified, (laughs) like you don't just, we all know, and it's very clear in the Bible, we all just see in our lives, uh, though you don't just stop sinning, which there are some Protestants, which is the niche that do believe that because I saw that once and uh, it was other Protestants um, responding to that person being like whoa you just said that we don't sin anymore <laughs> which i've never met anyone in real life that thinks that um <laughs> we know this though we just see it in our lives that we do still sin oh yeah uh, so yeah also catholics might think that we need to be further justified like justified again and that's ongoing we can both agree that we're continually being sanctified um and that we fall. I think that that does help me understand because as a protestant it was always confusing to me why it was like why is this necessary before someone would be able to participate in communion Mm. or receive the eucharist um i think that helps clarify it for me Mm -hmm. is like if you are viewing someone as outside the family of god and restoring that relationship it makes sense like someone we we would both agree that someone who is outside of the faith shouldn't participate in communion that that is um something for the people of God and the people of the church. So I think that does help me actually understand it mm-hmm. in a, in a clear way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Oh, I realized why I said the wrong passage because I was just looking at the wrong paragraph. I just scrolled down. Yeah, first John five. <laughs> um I got your back. Yeah. Thanks, Protestant, helping me put back. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, so that kind of yeah, that I think that yeah, that's a good clarification because I think there can be a lot of misunderstanding on both sides of that. Yeah. So I think understanding my, my whole like heart behind this explaining all this and quoting scripture was to just really explain where Catholics are coming from, mm -hmm. because even if you don't come to agree with us, you can be like, Oh, I understand why you think that or why you see it that way, which I think is a lot of the, the ways that you can come to understanding of the other side. Um, and I think I actually also, feel like I just learned yeah. in just this conversation, honestly, because yeah. something that's always bothered me is like, I'm like, no, communion is for sinners. Like, that's the point. Like, yeah. Jesus's body yeah. is for sinners. And so, like, we shouldn't try and get, like, cleaned up before receiving communion. Oh, like, yeah. no. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. I think that actually really helps me understand yeah the position in a better way because I, even like you agree to agree with that which is why venial sins yeah. don't keep you yeah. from the table exactly but yeah. if i would totally think like well if i did not if i was outside of the church if i was not in white or in reunion with the body of christ yes that is a different situation and so i think that helps me understand it better because protestants don't have that distinction uh formally between like mortal yeah. and venial sins and yeah. so i think I think that actually like really helps me understand because that's always something that's like bothered me. I probably brought it up to you before, but I'm like, mm -hmm. no, like, you know, yeah. we shouldn't try and clean ourselves up. And I understand even just from this conversation, it's like, okay, but it's, it's not, that's not what is happening. It's not like this attempt to yeah. like, oh, like, you know, tighten my tie, like suit up before mm -hmm. I like go and mm -hmm. like approach Jesus. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, that's helpful. Yeah, I'm really happy I could clarify that for you because that helps, I think, even maybe Catholics that are listening that are, I, you know, there's certain traditions where Catholics, like, they really hold themselves back from the Eucharist and they don't go as often. I know there's some people that are very scrupulous and very, but yeah, I mean, I think uh, Pope Francis even said, like, the church is um, for this, for sinners, for, I forget, oh, I could totally forget what he said, but he was saying something like, it's a refuge for us sinners. Like it's a place yeah. where we can go. It's like a hospital for the sick, for sinners, the church and our sacraments. And we even see that in, I mean, the part of going to mass, there's like a, you even say in the beginning of the mass, you go through, like, I'm heartily sorry for my sins, like these mm -hmm. things that I've done. And we believe that it's through, you're further healed through receiving the Eucharist, like sins are forgiven through receiving the Eucharist. So you can still, I mean, every time I show up to mass, unless I literally went to confession just before, because I right. felt like I had a more serious sin or I felt like I, you know, I'm walking in with sins. Um, even sometimes I might sit down, then I like sit there and I think something uncharitable and let's like, oh, you know, um, <laughs> like, and it just, it amazes me. It's something as a Catholic that I'm so amazed by the mercy of God that he allows us to receive him in our, in us when we're not fully sanctified, when we're not in the state of um, perfectness that he humbles himself. This is going to the theology of the Eucharist, but he humbles himself to come into the form of the host that we can receive. And we're so, we say that like, we are unworthy God make us worthy as we're like, just with your word. Um, mm -hmm. that's something we say right before we receive the Eucharist is we are unworthy, but with your word, just as your word, we become worthy to receive you. Um, so yeah, I'm happy I could clarify that just for even yeah. some Catholics that are listening that have a hard time feeling if they're worthy to receive the Eucharist. Like, well, we're not, but in God, somehow he makes it that we are and he humbles himself to come that we can receive him. Um, mm -hmm. and that's something that no matter your theology of the Eucharist or like just that God, 
has so much mercy for us. And then he literally came to die on a cross for us when we weren't worthy of that. And he did that. Like I almost could cry just thinking about God's mercy. It's so beautiful. Um, what he does for us. Um, yeah. So just for anyone listening that feels like they're not worthy. It's something, (laughs) and and I want to emphasize too, it's not just in Catholic context that that can happen because this is like personal. So, and one of the reasons I'm so passionate about it is growing up, the church I was a part of was very harsh and strict. And one area they were very harsh around (laughs) was the table. They were very protective of the table and that can be a very good thing and a very healthy thing for a church. Um, But one of the ways they emphasize that was before communion in the service, they would read these passages and then we would have to sit there while it was read over us that if you are uh, if you do not repent of your sins before receiving, you are eating and drinking condemnation upon yourself. And as a child, that wow, was terrifying to me. Here. Yeah, yeah, uh, it was terrifying. Um, mm-hmm. They would emphasize the passage in Corinthians where people were taking communion and getting sick and dying. And they're like, that is what will happen if you do not take this with the, like the right heart posture. And okay. so as like a child, I would yeah. be shaking, like terrified. And I remember I because they would have a moment of silence where we would all be like confessing. And in that moment, I was desperately like going through my head, like, what have I done? What have I done? What have I done? And trying anything. And then at the end, like near tears, I would be like, God, if I've forgotten anything, please, please, please don't kill me when I take this. Mm-hmm. And then I would take communion. Yeah. So it was a very terrifying experience. Mm-hmm. And so it's something that, you know, it's not just... Catholics maybe that can struggle with being overly scrupulous uh, Protestant Mm -hmm. context as well. And it's something that I think is really important that, you know, Jesus, Jesus ate and drank with sinners. Um, Yes. Yes. He, the reason he gave us his body and blood through communion is so that we could be united with him Mm. and who better needs to be united with Jesus than someone who's struggling and someone who's sinning. Um, And so yeah, I just really love that we were able to clarify that just now because I feel like yeah. I can actually like really yeah. appreciate um, Catholic theology in that area better because that was something that was always like holding me back and making me, um, yeah, just sort of like kind of like pricking that wound. <laughs> yeah, and I think that kind of leads to maybe how my shift of my view of confession has changed because I just had as I grew my relationship with God, I began to see the beauty of the sacrament mm. of confession. And just that like, God is not trying to smite me down. Like he's so happy when I come to confession, he has all this mercy. He wants to forgive my sins. And like the priest is in the person of God. So there's this, um, church that I will often go to for confession where there is a screen, which I think there should always be an option to sit behind a screen because the priest is not the focus. You should never be the focus. This isn't the priest forgiving you. As we've said, it's, it's, it's God forgiving you, um, where you sit there, but I, I love this, this church specifically because I can sit down and it's a screen. I can't even see the priest and it's just the crucifix. I just get to sit there and look at the crucifix as I confess my sins. And I just think like, I'm talking to you, Jesus, like, this is the things I've done of like hurt you, but you don't hold condemnation against me. Mm-hmm. You are here to forgive me and just pour out your mercy and love and compassion. Um, And just for anyone that Catholic is Catholic or not, like you can be so scared to go to confession. Like, oh, my sins are just so terrible. The priest has heard it all. There's nothing you're really going to say. And like, God is just, he's ready and willing there to 
just forgive you and pour out like the sacrament. It's a sacrament of healing, of conversion, of grace. That's mm-hmm. why it's so beautiful. Why we believe it's so beautiful to go to confession because there's just so much grace that God wants to give you to help you further on your conversion and your sanctification and give you that strength to not fall into those sins again. And when you do, the craziest thing is that God's like, all right, well, I'll, I just, I'll forgive you again. Like I will forgive you again. Um, which I think is something we all, all Christians can relate on. Like I said, that oh, just God's mercy of just over and over we fall and he just forgives us. And that grace is always readily available to us. Um, but that's something, a way that I grew to love the sacrament of confession, especially yeah. when I can go there and just like, look at the cross. Um, because it's like, God died for me so that I can have this mercy that Jesus just wants to give me. Yeah. It's just really beautiful. Um, and I know that Megan, you want to get into more like there is, um, it's not the same because you guys don't, which you can speak. It is different. The theology behind it is different, but there are forms of confessing your sins to others that you also would see in scripture that you draw from, um, in the Protestant church. Yeah. I think sometimes, I don't know if this is widespread, but I think sometimes there's sort of a misconception that it's like, oh, Catholics have confession and Protestants don't believe in confession. It's like, no, all Christians should be confessing their sins. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The manner in which um, the formality of it could be different. But um, obviously we believe the Bible is very clear in teaching that you are to confess your sins. And Mm -hmm. it's not just a private, like in my bedroom and in my head, confessing that there is an element where we are supposed to confess to one another. Um, Mm. You mentioned James. I think that's a great passage that is emphasizing the importance of confession for the health of the church, which is the body of Christ. Um, So Mm -hmm. absolutely confession. Um, I think, so just as I was sort of like taking time to like read up on this and look into it, there's maybe you could classify it as like two different forms of confession in Protestant churches. Um, there's a congregational confession and then more of like a personal confession. So congregational, and I'm going to be speaking out of my element because I am not Lutheran or Anglican, um, but it is <laughs> commonly seen in a lot of those more Protestant high church liturgies. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Also some Presbyterian and Reformed traditions as well, where in the midst of the liturgy, kind of like you were saying, even part of the mass is like sort of a corporal congregational yeah. confession yes. kind. Um that is it's pretty common from what I understand with mm-hmm. Lutheran and Anglican churches. I'm not, I haven't been to very many Lutheran or Anglican services, unfortunately. Um, I have actually been to a lot of Presbyterian ones, and I know that that is part of their service, um, which mm-hmm. I always found very beautiful. Like I mentioned, uh, the church I grew up in, um, maybe that was a poor example, but they mm-hmm. had a congregational confession as well. Um, there was one where we had to recite with each other and then a quiet personal time um, in silence as well, which is always super eerie when suddenly the whole church goes silent. Um, It can be very like tangible, but um, so yeah, Uh, from what I understand and I'm open to correction, there are Anglican and Lutheran churches that do offer a private confession with a priest that is a lot more similar to the Catholic sort of format. Um, From what I understand, it's not required. So it is different. Um, Once again, that different view of justification coming in there. Um, But from what I understand, it is in some of those churches um, available. And I would say even in like lower church formats, there are um, usually avenues available for a private confession with someone 
who is on staff at the church, whether Mm -hmm. that be an elder or a leader or a pastor. Um, That is typically common, I would say. Um, I think this is also where I get passionate about women being in leadership positions in churches, if not pastors, but just some sort of leadership in churches, because I think it's important for women to also have women that they can go to for that private confession that um, a lot of times they can be more comfortable. So whether it's a women's ministry director or a children's director, like just a woman who is available at the church um, Mm -hmm. for women too, I think is important um, Mm -hmm. because that personal confession, that sort of that other element of Protestant confession is a lot more common in like evangelical low church contexts. So think Baptist, non-denominational, and this is really where they 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 go really literal with the whole confess your sins to one another. <laughs> and it's mm-hmm. more of a peer-to-peer confession, either formal or informal. So like I said, with pastoral staff or a mentor accountability groups mm. um, or peers. So um, I just wanted to bring that up because a lot of times people might think like, oh, yeah. Protestants are so individualistic. And in a lot of ways, um, I think that can be a fair critique. But there are a lot of um, forms of confession in Protestant churches that I think are are very beautiful um, and very helpful yeah. in giving that yeah. like tangible, practical element to our repentance um, that I think to kind of go into, um, like I said, I, I might disappoint our audience that I don't have a super spicy opinion, but there is actually a lot about Catholic confession that I like. And one of those things is just that it is very tangible and practical. Like it is an actual mm-hmm. action that you're taking. It's not this sort of just concept like, oh yes, God forgives me. It's like actually going and physically speaking out loud your sins to another physical body. You might not see them. That is important, but it is, you know, it's a very physical act. And I think yeah. that that is very helpful in, um, even just therapeutically, like helping you understand that your sins are forgiven. And I know for times in my life that I have done more of like a formal time of confession with someone, um, it was very powerful when they would say, you know, in the name of Jesus, like your sins are forgiven. And when you have been grieving over a horrendous sin in your life, to have someone step into that and physically offer you that forgiveness that Jesus is extending to you, is extremely powerful. So I love that in the Catholic faith, there's this emphasis on making that habitual practice. Um, You know, obviously we disagree on the requirement and why it's required, sure. But I love that it is emphasized to be habitual and consistent because I think that is so important for our faith walk. And I think that's something that can be lost in Protestant churches because it's not like technically required that a lot of Protestants might not get to experience that quite often. And I think that is a loss, um, that it should be something, you know, that is, yeah, just very consistent, very, it should be a normal part of our faith walk to be, Mm -hmm. you know, physically out loud, (laughs) confessing sins, receiving forgiveness. That is so beautiful and powerful. Um, And also just the seal of confession that I think that guards against a lot of shame and scandal and gossip. Um, And I I want to be careful with how I say this. I don't want to shame Protestant churches, but there are situations I've seen or contexts I've seen um, and even experienced where there can be Protestant churches that view confession as something that should always be public. Mm. Um, 
and especially with like larger sins like maybe like sexual sins and um I know it was something that I think can lead to a lot of public shaming and gossip within the church that is not fitting um and I know I'm being like super vague and ambiguous and it's because I'm trying to be so careful but a situation I'm thinking of is um, an elder of a church who he was struggling with a pornography addiction. And when he confessed this to the pastor, he was made to go in front of the whole congregation and confess wow. the sin. And I think mm-hmm. that can bring with it this sort of sense of entitlement with some Christians I've seen that they feel yeah. entitled to know each other's sin. And I, I think the importance of, like you were saying, like the priest is present, you know, sitting in the place of Jesus, but it's yeah, not about yeah. him. You know, yeah. there's a screen, it's private. And I think that is really important because confession should not be a way to publicly shame someone for what they mm-hmm. have done or for the sins they've committed. And I just, yeah, I, I'm very burdened to not... Mm-hmm bring people down and tear people apart who are repentant, (laughs) who are seeking reconciliation and restoration. And instead we are like a pack of wolves tearing into them. Um, Once again, not every Protestant church, we can Mm. talk about whether or not it's a common thing. It's just something I've seen that, that grieves me um, when um, confessing sin is seen more of like, you owe this to other people. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So that's something that I, I think is very, um, it's very guarded in the Catholic church and something that is, I think, less likely to occur because of how that's set up. I don't know if you have thoughts on that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that is a beautiful part of the sacrament of confession is that seal of the confession, which a lot of people, when they're trying to attack the Catholic church or attack, and this is not normally from Protestants, this is normally from non-believers and just in general that don't under, don't care about Jesus or yeah, um, is normally attacking the Catholic church because the priest cannot say anything, even if, which this is a very unlikely situation to happen because why is someone going to show up into a confessional and be like, I'm going to go murder someone. Like (laughs) they're coming to confession to be forgiven. Like it's something they've already done. Like that's not, which also is a misconception that we see in the media about when someone will go say something like this, but like the protection that someone needs to have in confession like that's someone's soul and some people might not go to we believe it's like essential if someone's committed a mortal sin for them to go to confession and if someone's not comfortable that that could be spread around like that could put their soul in jeopardy like it's important for that to be a private um sacred place for you to go to god because like i said it's not about the priest the priest should not be out blabbing about what he heard in that confessional um yeah. So that should be very, uh, that's something that like, yeah, it's a very sacred, sacred place. And that's why the priest cannot say anything. And it's very, it does not happen that someone comes in and says something like I'm going to go, you know, and yeah. of course the priest has to con- encourage that person, like a part of confession. If someone has done something like steal or murder, like a part of them actually having true contrition and penance would be to go turn themselves in. And that's what the priest will call them to. Um, like penance is not just go do this. Like if it's something serious like that, like you need to make reparations, you need to like go and, you know, for your sins. So of course the priest will encourage that, but that's a different topic. Um, I also wanted to talk hit on where sometimes, you know, other humans can make you feel ashamed for your sin or like 
put you in a place where they're tearing you down or eating at you. And anywhere that we have humans doing God's work, whether that's in a Protestant or a Catholic context, like it's going to not, it's not going to be perfect because we're not perfect. And even though there are times when even you enter into the confessional and a priest can speak to you in a very, can cause shame in you and not give a good confession. And I just want to say to people that have gone to something like that, where the priest has made them feel ashamed that the the beauty of the sacrament is that it doesn't really matter what that priest says. The fact that through the power of Christ, he's giving you the absolution, like you're still forgiven, but it can be, you know, like that happens in Catholic context too, unfortunately, Um, even in the sacrament of confession where it's not going to be a bunch of people like publicly shaming you, but I, I just, a personal story. Um, I've had a couple times where I've had some bad priests give bad advice or say things that were just not, I, they were in, they were imperfectly delivering the word of God. Um, they were, you know, because it's just how it is when humans are doing things. Um, I didn't negate the power of the sacrament, of course. Um, but yeah, I went in and I kind of said like my last confession was like a day ago or two days ago. And maybe I was being scrupulous and going again, but I wanted to go again. Like I was like, I feel like I need to go. I want to go. And the priest was like, wow, you're back soon. Like in a way that is not how Jesus would encounter me or come to me. Like Jesus would be happy that I'm there again. And I'm happy that I had like grown that in my relationship with Christ to understand that. But yeah, unfortunately where there are humans, um, (laughs) things like that can happen. And I do think the sacrament of confession puts safeguards in place, but not to like defend the Protestant church, but just saying like, unfortunately, yeah, like where there are humans, there are going to be ways in which they imperfectly do the work of God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, like we said, we keep on sinning. Sadly, unfortunately, I wish we didn't. Yeah, I kind of wish, you know, we had just like quit that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Even to myself, want to do the same things over yeah. and over again. I end up going to God for, quit you know, that. I'm like, dang it, Jackie. Like, why? We, we just went to, like you say, in, like the act of contrition, like I am resolved to not do this again, to avoid the near occasion. Is that on there? I am like going back in. I think I'm like, I always joke. I'm back in the confessional. I'm like, me again hey <laughs> it's like, funny it. like, like literally just yeah. this morning um my husband was bringing up the passage in romans where paul is mm-hmm. talking about should we continue in sin so grace may abound by no means yeah. um and that he was speaking against the antinomians of the time who were saying like well if you sin more then there's more grace and that's oh, a good yeah. thing so like <laughs> go out there and sin your heart out um and I thought John brought up such a like a beautiful sentiment where he was saying he was like, what I would say to someone who is coming to me and 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 just horrified over the fact that they continue to sin or that they just stumble over and over again. Or maybe there's just like this one sin that they just cannot seem to conquer um, yeah, and they just yeah. continually have to repent of it. It's like yeah. what I would say to that person is, what if you knew like for a fact that you were just going to keep on sending the sin until the day you died mm. and that Jesus would still forgive you yeah. and still bring you into, you know, right relationship with the father, that he would have grace for you, that there is not a time where he would be like, you know what? I'm sick of you sending this sin. I'm done. Um, How does that make you feel? And for someone who is truly repentant, who is truly grieved at their sin, that's going to have shame. It's going to be like, I don't want Jesus to continually have to forgive me for this sin. And, and if I feel bad that like at the end of my life, he would still have to be giving me this grace. You know, we, we don't look at that and be like, oh, 
phew, I guess I can just continue sinning. Like, you know, I think that would be very telling of where a heart is. But for most people, if they're grieved over that sin, the idea of taking advantage of God's grace is like an icky feeling. It's like if someone gave you like a prepaid credit card and you screwed up and like stole money from them and they were like, I forgive you. In fact, I give you more money. You wouldn't be like, cool, I'm going to go steal again. You would be like, "I, I feel so horrible. And when I mess up, like I will feel like dreadfully sorry you know you know we don't take advantage of that grace when we are when we are sorry for our sins and so yeah just because as christians we often stumble we you know will continue to mess up to sin um i think i think we can find comfort in the holy spirit continuing to convict us and to continue to grieve us over our sin because i think that shows that we are a child of god and that god is bringing us back to him um and i think that's a very beautiful thing because yeah i know a lot of people will struggle with being overly scrupulous i have in my life oh my gosh you know and so i just yeah that encouragement of knowing that jesus is always there and always ready Um, it's like the prodigal son like the father runs out and hugs him um, regardless of what he's done as soon as he returns Um, so yeah I just think that's a beautiful thing in both of our traditions that that is preached that no matter our sin when we repent and come back God is like I'm so glad you returned Um, that's just wonderful it is a unique thing in our faith I think yeah that Jesus just has so much mercy and as you were saying, like when if you're really grieved over it, you're not going to want to do it again because you're just so right. offend. You're so upset that you offended God, and we know that our sin, you know, hurts Jesus. We understand that it hurts the body of Christ, the church. Um, so yeah, if you are grieved over that and you're going over and over again, like be assured that like when you have that contrition, like God is ready to forgive you, and it's not the same as someone that's just out doing whatever they want and like you're right. abusing God's grace because. Yeah, if it's when you're not really feeling that contrition, whether it be imperfect contrition, which is like a fear of hell, which I think your heart needs to be further um, converted to reach. We distinguish between perfect and imperfect contrition in the Catholic Church, which I won't get into too much, but you're still forgiven with imperfect contrition. It's like a fear of hell. You do feel bad. Like you're like, oh, I forgive. I want to be forgiven. Um, but perfect contrition is not only that not wanting to go to hell, but wanting to be in heaven with Christ, mm-hmm. wanting to be with Christ, which is why you try to not sin and having sincere sorrow that you, you know, hurt the heart, the sacred heart of Jesus and you're yeah. sinning. Um, which is another crazy, beautiful thing about God that he loves us so much that like we can hurt him when we sin, that he like cares that much. Yeah. Um, which, yeah, I'm kind of get off on a tangent, but I just like, I come, I got to tears a couple times just on this podcast, just thinking about God's yeah. mercy and that he allows us, like gives us that, gives us that free will that we can hurt him, but only so that we can in full love choose to accept him. And like, it's that we can, even, it's not real love to like, say these people are going to follow me. I'm going to make them so that they follow me. Like, no, he actually gives us a will that we can deny him and hurt him, but that's because it's even more beautiful when we choose him and he can give us mm-hmm. that mercy. I just, yes. yeah. The mercy of God is just insane to me. And sometimes when I really think about it, like that's why I love confession so much is it's like, Oh, like I sinned again. I'm so sorry. But when I go, it's just like that overpouring that grace from God and that mercy, it just like brings me to tears that I'm like, I just did this again. And God is ready there to forgive me. It's just crazy to me. Yeah. 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 I don't understand how yeah, the person of Jesus is just so beautiful to me. And I, when, as I was doing this pod, getting ready for this podcast and going through the sacrament of confession and just like 
the mercy of God and how he like feels about us. I was just like, I was in tears. It was just like the person of Jesus is so beautiful and God's mercy is so insane. And I just don't know how we're not worthy of this. And sometimes he, somehow he just gives it all to us. Yeah. 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 It's like, it's a balance between understanding, like my sin is so horrible. It put Jesus on the cross and also understanding that in the eyes of God, he sees Jesus and that I am redeemed. Yes. It's like that, there's that constant balance of, you know, a sorrow and, and disgust and grief over my sin and a peace in knowing how forgiven and loved and cleansed I am in Jesus. It's like we talked about in our episode about um, struggling with sexual sin and addiction, mm-hmm. which you guys definitely watch if you haven't, but that difference between guilt and shame. Like we should have sorrow and guilt for our sins, but also recognizing that through our baptism, like God has made us his, you know, children and that we, God loves us so dearly. And that it's not like the person of us is disgusting and sin, like, um, disgusting and not worthy of that forgiveness. Like we still are like the actions that we've done are, but it doesn't make us bad and Mm -hmm. God still, we're still the beloved of God. Yeah. 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 Amen. Amen. I think, um, uh, so to get a slightly spicy, just right yeah. here at the end, um, <laughs> I think really when it comes down to it, like we've mentioned earlier, it's, you know, the, the differences on our yeah. views of justification come down to even like why I wouldn't uh, completely and utterly agree with the Catholic theology of confession and like where there are those slight differences yeah. mm-hmm. I think it just does come back to that theology of justification yeah. and I yeah. tried to just write down really concisely um for Protestants confession or repentance is that salvation moment <laughs> which mm-hmm. Catholics don't follow there's not like a salvation moment um but in that salvation moment, it is us agreeing with God in regards to our sin and saying, you are right. My sin does. It is harmful. It is evil. It is, you know, and it's agreeing with God because before that we are in disagreement with God. We are not <laughs> agreeing that this is sin. So it's agreeing with God in regards to our sin and then choosing to turn from it and turn towards him. And then any later repentance, confession, penance in our life is us living into that salvation through our sanctification. And so, like we mentioned earlier, you know, that's why, like, we wouldn't view confession as necessarily required before communion. I think every church would say it's ideal that, like, Mm -hmm. as you approach the communion table, the correct heart posture is one that would be confessing of sins, that would be repenting, that would be observing. Um, and most churches, at least every church I've attended, has a time of a, a, a an examination of conscience um, in some format before receiving the table, because it's understood that like a heart that is ready to receive Jesus is a heart that is repentant. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think I think that's a beauty of Protestantism is the idea that we are living into a salvation, that there is, that my sin no longer completely removes me from God. Yeah. Um, I think that's something that I, I love about Protestantism is just, I know sometimes I see online it, it ridiculed like, oh, once saved, always saved. Um, and there's a lot of comfort in that doctrine. There's a lot of beauty in that doctrine. Um, so yeah, just a advocate for my protestants out there uh that's i know not every protestant is the whole one saved always saved but Mm -hmm. just this idea 
that, you know, there's a, a now and not yet reality of I am united with Christ and yet I'm, wow, I keep on sinning and he continually needs to make me new. Um, that I'm living into that new creation. Um, I, I think that's beautiful. And it's a, it's a, a theology that has brought me a lot of personal comfort in my own faith, in my own walk with God. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, see, I think it's like, it's also sim- like it's, we have different theologies, but also there is a similar because Catholics, we also could have this comfort and being pretty assured of our salvation if we're living in the sacraments and if we actually truly mortally sin, if we have perfect, if we have contrition for that, like somehow if we couldn't make it to the sacrament of confession or like, but that's usually very readily available that we can have pretty good assurance. We say like of our salvation. So it is similar. Um, there's definitely differences. Um, but I think you can take like the stereotype of like, uh, Catholics are always like so terrified that they're not going to be saved or that they're not like, that's not true. Like I definitely live into the comfort of God's mercy for me mm-hmm. and know that when I have that heart posture toward him, um, that he's not like, I'm not going to be sent to hell because you have to choose that. We do believe you have to choose to reject God and to be totally, to commit like the, say a mortal sin and to be totally not repentant. Like that's how you're going to go to hell <laughs> is to just be like, no, nah, I'm not, I'm sorry. I don't care. Um, I reject God. I don't want you. Um, so it, it is similar. I think we talk about it in different days. We use different words and the theology is slightly different, but there is a similar assurance, um, mm-hmm. or like knowledge you can have of your salvation. Um, so I think that it can be a stereotype that people have of Catholics. And honestly, a lot of a stereotype a lot of Catholics might have if they're not catechized well and will have that fear. And like mm-hmm. we talked about, like about that scrupulosity, which I do think Protestants can have as well. Like, well, am I saved? Am I? Like, it just depends on like what you were raised in. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, all goes back to just like really seeing that mercy of God. Yeah, no one is in hell on accident. <laughs> Yeah, I think which I think we agree on, which is like so cool, like why we can talk about it and be like, we actually agree a lot more than we disagree. Yeah. Oh, um yeah. and there's yeah, and I think also I think a difference that I don't know if you and I have we done an episode on baptism. I don't remember. Not us. We had us. Dr. Ortland on. on Gavin. Yeah. But we haven't but actually also, talked about it ourselves. Yeah, see, it's just so funny how it all just flows. It also flows from our differences of how we look at baptism. Yep. Um yeah, so it's funny because it's like we're we're both consistent in our threads. That's why we reach these hiccups where we disagree because it's like, oh, well, it goes back to this. And like, <laughs> yeah. If you look at it in my context, this is why this all makes sense. And like, it's exactly. all together. Um, yeah, so some of the differences in baptism because we believe as Catholics that if you're like, ideally you're baptized as a baby. So you have that initial justification, but you, as you grow older, has to keep making that decision to keep following God and, you know, so on and so forth, so. Yeah. Um, Megan, you also had concerns that I, you know, I kind of wanted to address about maybe misconceptions or maybe some of your concerns about penance or just like the structure of confession, which maybe I've addressed some of, um, uh, but I think they're valid, valid concerns. And I think even like, yeah, you can say them. I think it's sometimes even a misunderstanding that Catholics have uh, about confession. Yeah. Um, I think some of it has hit my mic. I'm so sorry. Um, I think some of it kind of was cleared up even just in understanding mortal and venial sins, which is something I always like wrestled with. And I was like, I don't get it. Um, I think a concern I would have over penance is um, in my um, tradition, penance is it's to, it's to be an outward expression of repentance with a goal towards restoration, Um, which you mentioned earlier too, that like, ideally, like 
if you went out and killed someone or you stole uh the priest as the penance would say like turn yourself in like accept responsibility for that um and that's what i would see as penance you know like absolutely yeah. it's it's you know if i gossip about someone um true penance would be reconciling what i've done you know it yeah, would be sure. um restoring that mm-hmm. i know uh, martin luther triggering all the catholics listening uh <laughs> There's a quote where he said, to do so no more is the truest repentance. Uh, Once again, not to shame because we will continue to sin, but it's that a truly repentant heart is one that does not desire to sin. Um, And I think this could definitely be a misconception, but something I've seen Mm. from certain Catholics, and maybe they're just poorly catechized, is they sort of had this view that if they go to confession and then they just like say a few Hail Marys or like say an Our Father, like that they're good. And so they kind of like are like, oh, cool, like that did it. And it, it's sort of a transactional view. Um, and I don't even think that that is proper theology. Um, so I'm not saying that. But I think um, yeah. Yeah. sometimes it's not clear. And so even the laity yeah. can have this misconception that it is rather transactional or it's, it's more about um, church obedience. And like getting right with the priest or getting right with the church um, than it is about like a personal life transformation or a heart posture of repentance. Um, So it's not so much a critique because I do understand that that isn't the theology. Um, I think, I think it can be a misunderstanding that trickles down. Um, And like you were saying, priests are imperfect as well. And so there could be priests who are even maybe communicating in a way that the penance they're giving is transactional, which is maybe what I've heard more is like people who are are like former Catholics saying like, oh, yeah, this priest would tell me that like, oh, if I just said a Hail Mary, like I didn't have to worry about like, you know, asking for forgiveness from the person I harmed, you know, because I said the Hail Mary. So it's all good, you know. Um, and so I, I don't, I don't want to caricature. Um, I, I think I just bring that up to like, kind of sort of mention a concern of yeah. maybe how it's taught or communicated. Yeah. I think that's a huge, can be a misconception with Catholics. Um, and this is kind of like what you brought up that Protestants can do this, like take advantage of God's grace. Well, there's a lot of Catholics that can kind of do that. Cause they can be like, well, I can just go to confession. Like I'm just going to sin then I'll just go to confession. It's like, Mm. "Mm, mm." (laughs) like, no, like you should have true repentance and contrition for that sin and the sacrament, you know, of reconciliation to sacrament of healing. It's a sacrament of penance of reconciliation. And often parts of that, like reconciling the grace you receive from that sacrament should drive you to go out and to really like reconcile if you need to take concrete actions with those around you and reconcile with the church. Like that's the part of what confession does. Yeah, I think poor, priests can definitely poorly communicate that as well. Like just go say some Hail Marys. But I think even if they do that, it's the grace from that sacrament if you're viewing it like that should work in your heart to further yeah. convert you. And you even say in your act of contrition, like, I am sorry for my sins. I am making the resolution to avoid the near occasion to sin, to not do this again, and to not offend God and to sin no more with his grace. Um, so it is supposed to be a furthering like conversion of the heart of moving closer to God. Um, and it's there for when you fall again, but when you genuinely did, and then you genuinely like feel that repentance, not when you're planning to go sin and then be like, <laughs> well, just go pop in a confession because it's not really like working in your heart in the way, you know, 
Um, but I will say that you, I mean, if you have perfect contrition, even if you don't go do those things after, like you are still forgiven because the penance is not required for you to be forgiven. Um, cause that would be maybe more like a works-based, um, view of like God's mercy, but you should have that contrition, whether it's imperfect or perfect, where you're like resolving to not sin again. Um, and yeah, make, make things right that you've made wrong. That is the ideal. And I do think that is a misconception that Catholics could have where they just kind of view the confessional as transactional. But yeah, if you read through the catechism, like that is not the purpose of confession. Um, and, and I think like, it, it, it is a view yeah. Protestants can even have too, of like, well, yeah. I'll just say I'm sorry. And what I would say to that is like, that would be just as bad as if I was like, oh, well, I'm just going to slap Jackie and say sorry afterwards. Like, yeah. obviously we would view that as like a not legitimate apology. <laughs> Exactly. It's like, but are you really sorry then if you're like planning this and then you're going to yeah. go? It's like, no, you're not really recognizing that what your sin did hurt others and it hurt God. Mm -hmm. You're not really sorry. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's like your heart needs to really be further converted. And hopefully like through the sacrament, that grace of that confession, like you can get there, you know, hopefully. But a lot of times, like if you're entering into that sacrament that way, you're not really open to the grace that God's giving yeah. you. Um, that's something that all of us, we're not perfectly open to God's grace. And, you know, slowly, hopefully we will be um, because the sacraments, like they have great power the way that we see it. And I think you would agree with, because we don't have all the same sacraments, but like sacraments, they have great power. They have great grace, but we have to be open to that um, mm -hmm. and live into that grace um, that God has for us. Like it's, we're in a, we are, we need to cooperate with the grace it's even God the work of the holy spirit in our life yeah, it's like you exactly. can quench the holy spirit like yeah, exactly. we have a will <laughs> we can choose yeah. to be like no um yeah. and so yeah yeah i don't i don't want that critique to sound like i'm like oh you know because people are imperfect i guess we should just do away with it because gosh we could say that about everything like know, yeah. <laughs> people misunderstand their bibles therefore no one read it you know like yeah, that, yeah. that's not good um but yeah it, it's something i've seen and i think it can lead to a lot of misconceptions from Protestants if poorly catechized Catholics are going around saying like, oh, well, I said my Hail Marys. Um, Protestants are like, oh, there it is. We're spiced. <laughs> it's like, okay, guys, let's let's stop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think it's a really good thing to point out. And I think it's something that I maybe in my life even had a misconception of at some point. Um, yeah. And I think as you mature in your faith, uh, that kind of can get righted if you have a sincere, you know, like trying to grow in your faith. Um, but yeah, Catholics can understand that. Cause I've been said, it's been said to me before, like, well, it's okay if you go do this. Cause you can, then you can just go to confession. Like, and I'm like, no, that's not how that works. <laughs> I am not going to take advantage of like God's mercy because then I'm not, I don't think I'm really receiving it well. Uh, so yeah. Yeah. But I think it's so cool that we could actually like in the middle of this podcast come to understand <laughs> Because I even when you were you were talking about confession, I was like, oh, we have that too. Like we do agree on a lot of things. Like yep. the mass. Like I didn't realize Luther's Lutherans and Anglicans also had a very similar thing that we have in our mass. Mm -hmm. um, and Presbyterians too. I know. So I used to. There was yeah. a Presbyterian church in Chicago that I used to go to quite often. Um, and that was something I really loved about their service was like the congregational, like the priest, you know, getting up and saying, "We have sinned," and then you know the congregation yeah. repeating on the liturgy. So yeah. Mm -hmm beautiful and and i think it's a, a common thread and element that we can appreciate in both of our yeah. traditions and yeah we do have our disagreements because we would see like catholics like actually in confessing your sins we see that we think in the bible that is like tying that to forgiveness so it's like you're actually being forgiven 
in that out loud confessing of your sins when it's of mortal sins, whereas the Protestants don't have quite see it that way. So there are differences, but there are a lot of similarities that we can really appreciate because at least with venial sins, like, yeah, we can be forgiven within the mass just in the way that Protestants would see they're being forgiven um, when their service or just like privately going to God with those things um, and receiving the Eucharist, which yeah, it's more similar than I realized before. So that is cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Look at that. Even Jackie and Megan can learn. <laughs> well, Megan, yeah, we don't know everything. I mean, we're pretty close. <laughs> yeah, we are it. very close. We're yeah. very close to it. We're really, we're getting really close to being perfect here on earth. Um, we just kind of hide it. So if you ever see us sin or mess up, it's just because we're just like trying to relate and like be just humble. Be we don't want to make anyone yeah. feel bad, you know? <laughs> Just kidding. I'm just kidding, guys. My friend and I have a joke that like, we're like, yeah, well, we never sin. We just like, but we see each other at confession. I'll be like, oh, I was just going. So like, people don't feel bad. Like, like I do too, you know, I just I like go church, whatever the pastor like, is like, we've all been there. We've done this I'll, out loud. I'll be like, not me. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, wow, very funny, Megan. That never gets old. Oh, I do that all the time. I'll be like, yeah, you know, we all struggle. I mean, not me, but like, you know, most yeah. of us struggle, you know, um, with like gossip and like, not me though. No, yeah, no, I'm like super uh, humble. Yeah, I'm like really, I'm really humble. So yeah, yeah I just like can't relate. Sorry. <laughs> I go in the confessional and the priest is like another perfect week. Jackie, another perfect week. Like, <laughs> high five through the yeah, screen. <laughs> Like, right, Father, it was good chat. Catch up. Gonna go. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, every time I go in, I'm like, I'm back. <laughs> I'm back again. <laughs> Same sins. So, hey. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, this has been a good chat. I feel like I learned stuff. You learned stuff. Yeah. Maybe the audience even did. Who knew? Who knew? Yeah, well, anyway, if you are Catholic, Protestant, let us know your thoughts. And if there's anything that you thought or you think that we should, you know, I think there's a lot of points we touched on that maybe we could we could take and do another podcast with um, and just keep talking about it because that's what we do. We talk about it.